0: Southwestwood in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and we invite you to come and be here and be a part, but if you can't, we're glad that you're watching and realize that those services are archived there on Facebook and on YouTube so that you can watch any of the services at any time of your convenience, and you'll always hear at the end of every service a message by our pastor's wife saying we're glad that you are here watching it and uh, you'll get to see who she is as well. So take your Bible right now and open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Last week I began the service with 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. So I'm going backwards. Zach's going, Pastor Zach's going forward. I'm going backwards. So I uh, <laughs> guess that's what happens when you get older. You start going backward. But that's what the Lord was dealing with me about. <clears throat> and tonight I want to talk to you about stirring up the gift of God. Did you know that every one of you are gifted by God with something? Everyone doesn't have the same gifting. But every one of us has something for God to give to other people. And it may just be as simple as uh, just telling them that Jesus loves them. It may just be as simple as smiling at them and saying, I hope you have a great day. You know, and, and uh, being nice to other people is a, is a great blessing and a great help to other people. And when you do it out of a Christian attitude, that is even better because Holy Spirit works through you. Well, let's read this passage in 2 Timothy one six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And as I said before, every person in this building and every person under the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or or with YouTube, you have been touched by the Holy Spirit at one time in your life. You may not have recognized that it was Holy Spirit that was touching you. You may have just said, wow, that feels different, or why did I think of that? But every person has been touched at some time. And we need to remind ourselves of those times when we have been touched. Let me go back, for example, in my own life. I remember uh, when I was raised in church and I was baptized in the Black River at about seven years old. Uh, but then, when I was about thirteen, uh, I really felt like I was just a terrible sinner, John. You know, and I just felt like I I needed to repent. I went when I went to a youth rally. Uh, I didn't have a date on which I could say I was saved, and so when I went to the youth rally, uh, the preacher preached. It was C. M. Ward who was a revival time preacher, and he preached and at the end of the message. I thought that I was going to hell for sure. I mean, (laughs) I really did. (laughs) And when he gave the altar call, I responded. And that date was January the 30th, 1967. Actually, I was 14 years old. But January the 30th, 1967. And that's the date I always look back to as my birth date. Now, I know I'm not as old in the Lord as the two ushers that we have tonight. Because I think Brother Dave was saved when he was five, right, Tara? And uh, Brother Sherman was saved when he was 19, I think, is what he told me. Yeah, so you know th- those fellows have been saved a long time. Uh, and maybe you have been saved a while. But I, w- I want you to remember the time that the Lord first touched you. Because that was a precious time. That was a sparking of that move of God in your heart. And you have to go back to that sometimes to say, hey, God really does move within me, and God really does touch me. Now, there are times along the way then that he touches us about other things. I was in the band in the ninth grade, and some of the music that we played, I played trumpet, some of the music that we played was very jazzy, you know, and I really liked it, and then I would hear about the high school band and how some of the shenanigans that would go on on some of the bus trips, That wasn't very Christ-like behavior, and then I would hear about how that there were groups of those who would go in like a show band, and they would play in dance clubs in southeast Missouri, and and. I thought, wow, you know, here I was, first or second chair trumpet in the ninth grade, so I would have probably been asked to do those things. I would have probably been lured into those things. And here I was fresh in my commitment to the Lord. And I remember coming home with my trumpet from band practice when we had the high school up where. I don't know what that is now. <laughs> Shoot, I just get lost in this switching around schools in this town. <laughs> but coming down the hill by Barron Park, that's where we live, by Bacon Park, that's where we lived. And uh, I remember coming across Grandma and Grandpa Neal's yard and getting ready to come into my house. But I had my trumpet in my hand, my case, and I just felt Holy Spirit on me so strong. And I just knelt there in the yard, and I just said, Lord, this trumpet's yours. I'm not going to go. They want me to go and play in the band in 10th grade, but I'm not going to go do it. I give my gift to you, Lord. See, those are special times that we remember, and we've got to stir those up, those times of remembering when God is moving and ministering into our hearts. And then I remember going to college, and and when I got there, I got a degree. I started getting a degree in business because I didn't really have a call to preach. And yet, I really felt like business was not where I should be. And in the s- spring of my sophomore year, I felt just an urging to You know, do something different. But I didn't have any clear direction. And I had a nightmare about a demon-possessed man at the door. And I finally got out the words, in Jesus' name, and he left. And I woke up, and I went to talk to one of the counselors at school about that. And, you know, when I got there, I couldn't tell him about it because I was afraid (laughs) of what he might think or... I don't know what all was going on inside of me, just a bunch of emotions, you know. And and so he t- took the ball, though he was a licensed counselor and he knew what he was doing. And he said, "Well, you know, what what do you want to do in five years?" And I said, "Well, my major is business." He said, "Oh, well, so you're going to be an accountant. You're going to work with numbers and ledgers and reports and things like that." And I didn't say anything, but I just sort of, you know, (laughs) that wasn't going to be my cup of tea. And he said, well, what do you really want to do in five years? I said, well, I would like to be a youth pastor. He said, well, I can't tell you that's what God wants you to do, but I will pray with you, and let's see what the Lord tells you. And so he prayed with me, and about two weeks later, as I was getting ready to go and play basketball in the gym after classes, I don't know if I cut a class or if I was just after class, because <laughs> sometimes we did that, you know, okay. Uh, but I was getting ready to go to the gym, and I noticed on the bed nightstand by the, between my roommate and my bed was my Bible. And I had not read my Bible that day, and the Holy Spirit convicted me. And so I picked up my Bible, and I said, let me find something to read so that I can, you know, get rid of this conviction. Probably more the way I felt it, than that I could please the Lord. You know, sometimes we do that, you know. So I started rushing through the Psalms to find a short psalm, right? And I felt, no, I have just read in the Psalms. I can't do that. Oh, I know. 1 John chapter 1. And so I started speeding toward 1 John chapter 1. Because it's only nine, 10 verses, right? Eleven verses? I don't remember. Anyway, short. But as I was turning there, I came through 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. It was like second coming headlights, headlines, you know. It just jumped out of the page at me. And I had to turn back to it. Where was that verse? And here's what it says. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. <laughs> Woo! You know what? I wasn't just jumping up then and saying, well, I'll just go there. I, I got that one verse. I went back to the first for the verse, first verse of the chapter, and read through all the 20 plus verses of the chapter and said, God is calling me to preach. Now I know he is. We go back to those times because we're stirring up what God is doing within us. We're saying, God, I know what you want me to do. I know who you want me to be. The main thing is that we are his and we belong to him. That we have that relationship with him. And that's why I was sharing to you with you about my salvation experience and then that commitment to him. And then the finally the call next the calling to preach. Sometime along the way, he tweaks that call, you know? Used to, when we were in college and it, just graduating from college, we get this uh, business culture uh, type of thinking, right, <laughs> in, tr- in traditional churches. Here it is. You're going to go and be a youth pastor. Then you might become an associate pastor. Then you're going to be a senior pastor. You know, you kind of climb the ladder of success, in other words. But yet God doesn't look at it like that. Because as God says, I want you to be the man or woman of God where you are right now. The title is irrelevant. Just be who you are to be. And stir up that gifting of God that's in you to do that. After going through a tragedy, when I was... 38 years old, 39, I was painting a church up in St. Charles where my sister attended. I was staying with my sister, my boys and I were, and and so I couldn't preach anymore. I had pastored three churches, but yet because of this tragedy, I just couldn't, emotionally, I wasn't able to continue. And I was able to paint, though, that's kind of, forgive me if you're a painter, but It's kind of, (laughs) kind of a, it's a, it's a skilled task. I understand that, but you don't have to have a whole lot of, of technical. Going to school in the books, type of thing to learn how to do it. Right. It's a skill. But I could do it. And I did it. I was painting in the church. In the hallway of the church, and a young man came by, who had also gone to evangel. He was now the custodian of the church. He had only gone to evangel one semester or two semesters, but he had to come home to help his mom because uh, she had needed some help with her fam with the family. And so, he struck up a conversation with me, as in- inquiring as to who I was and and what I was doing, and what I was going to do, and, and then I asked him about who he was, and what he was doing, and, and he really had a desire to fulfill God's call upon his life, and to be in the ministry, but he couldn't. He was stopped, because he couldn't fulfill the plan of God that he felt the way it was going to go, where he would go to college, and get his degree, so and then become a minister. And when he left talking to me, Holy Spirit just dropped it into my heart, why can't we have a learning center in the church where men and women can come and learn about the things of God and get themselves ready to get a license and an ordination to preach? Wow, what a concept! You know, the pastor was open to it, and also at the same time, Pastor Kevin was uh, having a great revival at the church down in Florida. And God was blessing there and Holy Spirit just drew us together so that I could then fulfill the next stage of the destiny of my ministry to be his helper in the ministry, in the ministry school, helping to establish that and to run that, to train men and women for the kingdom of God. You know, that's the way God works. And we have to go back to those things and stir those up again and again. Where does God want us to be right now? God has you where you are right now, but have you forgotten where you were coming and what he's told you to do? If you've forgotten, then you need to go back to that. Now, I don't have to preach every Sunday. I don't have to preach every Wednesday. I'm fulfilling. You see, the the calling of God to preach is not in the pulpit always. Sometimes it's one-on-one. Sometimes it's just proclaiming to somebody out on the street that Jesus loves them. Sometimes it's doing the work like Kelly does at night when he meets somebody that needs a touch of God and he can be with there for them and help them and be a light there for them and be a prayer warrior for them. So God has us each in individual, unique places. And we just have to be faithful and obedient where we are. Today, we went to Walmart. Hey, that's that's a trip on itself, isn't it? We went to Walmart and my wife needed an electric chair. And there was one, but it's that one you know where you sit in it and all of a sudden it goes like this. And it stops. There's one in the, There's one at every store, and that was the one that was available. And she said, oh, I can't drive this. Is there another? And here comes a fellow that's riding one, and he's got his arm in a sling. And she says, can, can I have that after you're done with it? He said, well, sure. And so I followed him out to the car to retrieve it, and I asked him, you know, what's the matter with your shoulder? And he said, well, I just had my shoulder out of joint, and, you know, it's uh, – you know, I, the doctors operated on it. They did, built me a new shoulder. And he said, but that's not the reason that I'm in this chair. It's because my feet hurt when I stand. That's, how, that's why I'm in this chair. But he, I said, well, can you let, will you let me pray for you? He says, yes. And so I just put my hands on his shoulder and I prayed for him. You see, it's also being out there. Wherever you are, wherever I am, it's ministering to people where the need is. Because that fellow may never have come into the church. But a church that God sent the church out to him through me. And God sends the church out to people that you run into day in and day out. Well, I didn't even plan to share all that. But <laughs> let me read the next passage of Scripture. In Romans 1, 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I have read read that scripture because it tells us, it's talking about Gentiles, non-Jewish people. The Jewish people, learned about God, their parents would teach them when they were very young. As young as as they could learn, they began to teach them about the ways of God. But this passage says, Paul is writing to the Romans, who were definitely Gentiles. And so he's telling them, God has revealed himself from the creation of the world to everyone. If they would just open their eyes. All they have to do is consider, how in the world does my body work? I had a a nurse at uh, one of the nursing homes tell me, I was an atheist until I went to nursing school. When I went to nursing school and took anatomy, I could not believe that there was not a God. (laughs) Because taking anatomy, you begin to understand That there has to be a God for the human body to work as it does. We're amazing. Amen. Give yourself a pat on the back. You're amazing. Because God has made you, created you as an amazing being. That's just one thing. And the world outside that we live in. Oh, it's cold today. But yet, is it uninhabitable? No. We can live in it. And just like Mark Twain said, by the way, if you don't enjoy the weather in Missouri today, just stick around for 10 minutes. It's going to change. Because Sunday it's supposed to be 80 degrees, Chelsea. <laughs> so, you know, who knew? You know, who knew? But God has made this world to be a place where we can live. And it's amazing. It's kind of a symbiotic world, too. You realize, and you may not know what that word means, that we live in a symbiotic relationship with plants and trees because they let out oxygen. We take in oxygen. We let off carbon dioxide. Trees take in carbon dioxide. Plants take in carbon dioxide. So, man, we work together. Let me talk about a greenhouse effect. Come on, give me a break. The greenhouse effect is because God made it. God made it to be so, and I know we got to protect the environment. I understand that. All right, I'll get off that. All right, but but there's so many things that we could talk about is how we know that there is a God, and so we are without excuse. And so God tells us that He loves us. He cares about us. And I would ask you uh, how God has. Revealed himself in your life. Just like I talked about earlier, in your salvation, in the call of God upon your life, maybe in telling you to pray for someone. Maybe that's how God revealed himself to you. How about at the times that God has protected you? Man. I was traveling, I, I administered in college during the summertime up in Petoskey, Michigan. I was traveling back to St. Louis, and right around Lansing, it was raining, and it was a four-lane highway, but I was trying to pass this truck, and he got over too far, and I was not driving my vehicle as it was, and I didn't want to get it skinned up either, and so I got over a little bit, and I got over too far, and that was when Dave, you know those roads used to be like this on the side? And, you know, that caught me. That caught my tire. And the next thing I know, I'm going down into the median and almost up to turn and face the wrong (laughs) traffic. (laughs) And so I turned it back and got over on the right side of the road and stopped. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, I drove by that same place many times. And said, that must be the only half-mile stretch on that highway where there's enough median for me to do what I did because all the other places are too close. Wow. Isn't it amazing how the Lord has his hand of protection upon us? How about his hand of provision? The times that he's provided for you. When you didn't know what you were going to do, but yet he knew. And he either sent someone along right at the right time to give you what you needed, or he provided something in the mail for you, or he helped you to find something that you needed. His provision, so great, so great. How about promotion? You didn't know you were going to get promoted, but you worked hard, you were diligent, you were faithful, and God promoted you. In the company. i got to tell you a funny story now. Because after I was a youth pastor out of college, I got kind of the big head. Because I preached one time at this church that I was a youth pastor at. And because when I preached at this church, one of the fellows told me, had me over for dinner, and he told me, he says, you know, you could pastor a church of 175. I said, wow, I thought to myself. And the pastor had resigned, and I had resigned with him, and so I thought to myself, wow, I'll just get my resume out there, and if it's a church that's 100, 175, you know, up around that time, I'll consider it, but not a church this small. So after God took me through a few years of hard knocks, considering that, then I was willing to do whatever God wanted to do. But during that time, I was working at a Fiat car, Honda motorcycle dealership. And I figured, I, I started in the parts department. They had me doing the parts department. You know, I was the main guy there, going for parts for the motorcycles and for the fiats. And then if they, they also sold B.F. Goodrich and Michelin tires, Sherman. And so if they needed somebody to sell tires, they'd, they'd have me to come over there to sell tires. And they sold recaps. So I had to learn all these things. And uh, then the road salesman quit that would go to outside accounts. So they had me running to outside accounts and going up there. And then the assistant manager quit. And so I thought, well, man, I need to be considered for that assistant manager position. And you know what? They hired someone else for it instead. Uh, another salesman got the position instead of me. So one Sunday night, not too long after that, during the altar call, in the altar, I was up there in the altar praying. You know, this is the time when you know, churches... You know, back in the 70s when churches actually had people come up the altar and pray. Anyway, uh, sometimes we do that, sometimes we don't. But I was up there at the altar praying. I wasn't praying, I'm sorry. I was up there complaining. God, you know that I should have been the assistant manager. Man, I had, my my advisor in business would not let me out of my business major when I changed my major to Bible, he would not give me a minor and let me out of it. He made me get a concentration so in business, so I have all those hours in business. I should have been the assistant manager of that shop. And you know what? Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture in Jesus trial in the book of John. Pilate was interviewing Jesus. And Jesus, Pilate said to Jesus, why don't you tell me something? Don't you realize I have the power to release you or to crucify you? And Jesus' response was, you have no power over me unless this was given to you from above. Now, I'm not equating myself with Jesus, but it was ministered to me at that moment. The manager or whoever decided who was going to be the assistant manager had no power to do that except it was from God. And my promotion, or lack thereof, was in God's hands. This funny thing happened. The next morning, I wasn't even thinking about it. And they gave me, they had a display of chemicals. It wasn't very large. I mean, it was smaller than that pulpit cross there. I mean, it it was chemicals that you might use. Penry chemicals is what it was. Dave probably remembers them. But, uh, you know, it was all dirty and nasty. Because the cans were sitting there, and maybe one person bought one every six months, you know. And so the rest of them were collecting dust. And, and the manager said, well, you know, go over there and clean those up, will you? So I did. I was over there cleaning them up, and next thing I know, he said, wow, you sure are happy today. I said, what? He says, yeah, you're just sitting there whistling, you know. So I had lost the ambition of going for that position And I had submitted myself unto the Lord's will. But, you know, in less than a year, God called me to go out and to be a pastor of a church then. If I had taken that assistant assistant manager position, I might have been as inclined to go and do God's will. So sometimes our disappointments are rather his appointment. We have to consider that. Ah, I must go on here. Let's talk about what Paul told to Timothy back in our passage in 2 Timothy. He said, "Stir up that gift of God that he re- you received by the laying on of hands." Think back and say, "Lord, say to yourself, "Lord, I believe that you have saved me." Because the enemy will make you try to doubt that. He will Lord, I believe that you have saved me. Lord, I believe that you've delivered me. Lord, I believe that you have filled me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I believe that you have healed me. Lord, I believe that you have used me by your anointing. Lord, I believe that you have called me to whatever place that you have been called to do. Lord, I believe that you have called me. And Lord, here's a big one. I believe that you will save my family. Lord, I believe that you will fulfill every prophetic word that you have ever spoken over me through your servants. Scripture says in Romans, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Kenneth Copeland translates that this way, and I kind of like what he says. He says, "Faith comes by hearing yourself speak the word of God." So, what do we have to do? We have to hear what God says and then begin to speak what God is saying. But you know, it's well, 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 you know, no, it hasn't happened yet. So if I do that, then then I'll be lying if I'm I'm saying that that this is happening, or if this is the way it is, then I'll be lying. No, you're speaking faith in what God has told you, and what God has quickened into your heart. That's not lying. That's speaking in faith. Dig deep. Stir up those giftings. Stir up that faith that you have in the Lord. You can do it. With the help of Holy Spirit, you can do it. Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So, are there any, let's get this clear, are there any Jewish people by nationality here tonight? None. Maybe you are watching by Facebook or YouTube, and, and we thank God for you. But but my point is this. Whether we are or not, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he's saying it's according to grace and it's not just those who are of the law, it's everyone who believes as according to the faith that Abraham had. If you believe God, you're by faith, you're a child of Abraham. And by faith, then you're an heir of God's promise, and you are a child of God. And God has his hand on you. You are marked. Pastor Kevin preached to series of messages on that. That is such a terrific thought to know that you are marked. I am marked for God. That we're different. Verse 17 says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Oh my relationship is dead Oh, my life is feeling dead. Oh, I feel dead. Oh, this town feels dead. Whatever you put in there in the blank. Believe God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. and He will do it. All right, verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. How old was Abraham when God spoke these things unto him? Well, he was at least 90 years old, probably more like approaching 100. And yet God spoke to him and told him, Sarah, your wife, who is going to be 90, is going to have a baby. Are you listening to me, ladies? He says, she is going to have a baby at 90 years of age. Abraham, you are going to have a child at 100. But God, it's past the time of women with her, some translations would say. It's past the time. She's gone through menopause already. She can't even have a child. With God, nothing is impossible. Did you hear what I said? With God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Years later, we know the story that the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary and said, Mary, you're what well, scholars feel that she was about 14 years of age. You're a 14 year old virgin, but you're going to have the Christ child. And Mary said, well, (laughs) I've never even had relations with a man. I don't think this is possible. And he said, but you are. And her answer was then, be it unto me according to the will of the Lord, I will. You see, with God, nothing is impossible. Get back to Sarah. she's 90 years old, Abraham is 100, and they have a child named Isaac. He was the child of the promise. Now, a- interesting aside: if you read on in Genesis, by the way, that after Sarah died, Abraham married a woman by the name of Keturah, and he had six—I think—had six other sons. So you know, a- Abraham was like Strom Thurmond, if you remember him back in the late nine, nine late nineteen hundreds. I mean, he, he was a fellow that married, married an older, a younger woman when he was up 90 years old and had a, she had a baby. But Abraham was able to do that. But with God, nothing is impossible. What impossible situation are you facing? What is it? Don't consider it to be something that cannot happen, especially if it's a dream that God has put in your heart don't consider that it will never happen. Believe. Believe. Now, I want you to go with me. Now, to the book of Genesis, chapter 26. After Abraham died, you see, Abraham had been throughout the Middle East, and and I hope that all of us have a chance to go there someday, but... Uh, the Middle East is, uh, best I could relate it to geographically, would be like Arizona, okay? I mean, here and there, spotty, uh, greenage, very hilly, very dry and arid climate. So they have to, if they're going to feed sheep, they have to dig wells, Abraham dug wells while he was alive so that his sheep could find pasturage. And Abraham was very wealthy, by the way. He was, he was just—he like a multimillionaire, except his millions were not measured in, so much as in coins as they were in cattle and sheep. But he, for those cattle and sheep, he had to have water, and so he dug wells. And after Abraham died, the Philistines came along and filled those wells with rocks. Not a hard proposition. Same thing about stoning people in the, in the, that the Bible talks about in Israel. Not a hard proposition either. Because everywhere they look, they can easily find a stone. So Philistines filled the wells up with rocks so that no one could get water out of them. So let's read what Isaac does. Genesis twenty six eighteen. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father called them. But the only thing is, what happened after he dug one well, the Philistines came along and they took that well from him. The enemy is not going to give up easily. If you're going to go try to redig the wells that God has blessed you with, the enemy is going to try to stop you. You have to be persistent. Isaac was persistent. He remembered the promises that God had given to his father, he remembered them. And he said, I'm going to press in. Even though the Philistines had stopped up the wells, Isaac returned and redug the wells. He redug one, the Philistines took it back. He redug the second, the Philistines took it back. And then finally in verse 24 of chapter 26. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Because he dug the third well, and the, the Philistines didn't come and take it from him. The third time, interesting, threes are very interesting in the scriptures, but the third time, he was persistent, and he went back, and he dug it, and he was able to get back to that place where Abraham was, to receive the blessing of Abraham from the wells that Abraham had dug interesting too that when Isaac returned to the God of Abraham God appeared to him I don't know where you are tonight in your Christian walk but wherever you are return to where you met with God return and dig those wells up again that were there at one time and find that place once again in God to where he can bless you He can minister into you. And He can continue to use you and pour out His Spirit on you and through you. Would you stand with me tonight as we consider these things and pray and ask the Lord to bless us now? Father God, we thank You that You have searched for us until You found us. Thank You that Your Word says that Even if we would have been the only one and 99 were safe, you still would have come and found us. Thank you, Lord, for that. And thank you, Lord, that you poured out your many blessings on us. We can think back on our lives just like I've reflected tonight, the many times that you've touched me, Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because if it had not been for you on our side, We would have been ruined today, Lord, many times. We would have been lost many times. We would have been injured many times. But your hand, but God, your hand was upon us. Lord, forgive us where we've forgotten who you are and what you've done. Forgive us where we've not considered your greatness. And we've thought that you were as any other God because you are not, Lord. You are great, and there is no one like unto you, O Lord our God. Take us back to the wells that, of faith that Abraham dug. Take us back to those places in our lives that you have ministered unto us, the times that you have spoken unto us, the times that you have healed us, the times that you have met us, Lord, and help us, Lord, to reaffirm those things. Stir us up again once again for you Lord and stir up the giftings that you put in us we pray and we bless each one that's here to go and to be a blessing wherever they come in contact with that men and women would see them and they would say there must be a God in heaven because he's revealing himself to me through them thank you for each one bless them as they go I pray in Jesus name amen